this is Dr. Bob Evans, and welcome to our podcast, Parental Alienation from Couch to Courtroom and Beyond. We will discuss the resisting and refusing dynamic, commonly referred to as parental alienation, how you'll know it's happening in your case, and what can be done about it. Parental alienation can cause stress and trauma in high-conflict cases. These podcasts focus on how attorneys and mental health professionals can support families and children. Welcome to, looks like, episode number 11 for our little podcast. Today I wanted to talk about an article that came out in the Journal of Forensic Science back in 2017. And it talks about an instrument that I use all the time in my uh, social investigations. And it's a uh, article lead author is by William Burnett, um, has a number of other authors. There's, um, there's a Dr. Gregory, there's a Dr. Ray, Kathleen Ray, there's uh, Enron uh, Rona. He's Dr. Rona, R-O-H-N-E-R. And the article is entitled, An Objective Measure of Splitting in Parental Alienation, the Parental Acceptance Rejection Questionnaire. And this is a questionnaire that is um, available to get. It's, uh, it's called, again, the Parental Acceptance Hyphen Rejection Questionnaire. It's uh, P-A-R-Q is the, are the initials. And we've always been looking, people in specialized in parental alienation have always been looking for uh, some type of measure that would give us a handle on at least exploring hypotheses about parental alienation. And uh, this instrument, uh, again, like I said, I use it all the time, and I think it's a very, it's a very good instrument. And this article basically documents the um, reliability and the validity of the instrument to identify children who are uh, splitting. That is, they have an unambiguous um, uh, attitude relationship toward one parent or both parents, because one parent is in an alienation case, one parent is considered all positive and loving and caring, and the other parent is hated and rejected for how evil they are. And so we begin with like looking at the idea that parental alienation is a mental condition in which children um, in high-conflict separation divorces really uh, strongly affiliate with one parent that is called the favorite or preferred parent, and reject the relationship with the other parent, the targeted or rejected parent. I mean, that's basically, you know, our concept of parental alienation. The child does this with rejecting a parent without any legitimate justification. And so they did a study, Dr. Burnett and others did this study, to assess the usefulness of this PARQ instrument to identify and even quantify the degree of splitting that a child might have. We know the literature is replete with plenty of information that talks about the that divorce is a real important event, having a lot of psychological, social, legal implications uh, for children. High conflict divorce uh, goes even a step further and creates more significant struggles for children. Uh, parental alienation is commonly uh, associated with uh, the high conflict divorce and separation cases. Um, parental alienation, interestingly enough, is recognized in 35 countries on six continents on the planet. Interesting. Parental alienation 
in the DSM-5, the concepts of child affected by parental relationship distress and the parent-child relational problem, along with child psychological abuse, basically gives us the um, DSM-5 rationale to talk about parental alienation. So when people say, well, parental alienation isn't in the DSM-5, the words parental alienation aren't. However, a child affected by parental relationship distress is in the DSM-5, parent-child relational problem is in the DSM-5, and child psychological abuse is also in the DSM-5. We look at the five-factor model. We talk about that. One of the five, one of the mat, one of the factors of the five-factor model are the eight criteria that are commonly associated with a diagnosis of parental alienation. And I know the detractors out there in the real world basically say, "Oh, we don't like the word diagnosis because diagnosis suggests some kinds of a, a mental disorder." Well, we will use the word diagnosis because you take your car to a car mechanic, he will diagnose your problem. And I don't think that's going to be in the DSM-5 either. So one of the criteria of the eight symptoms is the lack of ambivalence. And um, this is a symptom that can be measured quantitatively. And this PARQ is one of the instruments that can do this. This is not the first time people have tried to measure this either not have tried, but have actually measured it, okay? We're not going to go into those details, but I wanted to share with you that this valid and reliable instrument in terms of uh, children splitting, identifying one parent is all good, one parent is all bad, is sort of a clue to uh, what's going on in terms of the potential of diagnosing parental alienation. Young children, it's normal for... um, interpersonal relationships to feature ambivalence. You know, sometimes kids get angry. They get angry at a parent, but it goes away. Um, they, they, they recognize strengths and weaknesses in our parents. Um, young children, less so. They more they ide- idealize both parents, and I characterize it as children putting their parents on a pedestal. But older children do recognize uh, positives and negatives about each parent. So it's normal for that to to occur. Older children, adolescents, do perceive each parent as having strong points, weak points. Um, It's unusual, however, for an older child or an adolescent to perceive a parent as all good or or none. It's like all or nothing, good or bad, black or white, however you want to characterize it. It's, It's not really common for adolescents to do that. So something else is going on with a child who expresses that type of extreme kind of categorization for their parents. And so what we find in parental alienation is almost always a a manifesting of a splitting uh, and where one parent is idealized and the other parent is basically very much defamed. Um, and it's and it's not subtle. This is a pretty blatant uh phenomenon that we find in in these cases. Of course, parental alienation occurs on a continuum, and typically you'll see running from either a mild to a moderate to a severe level of alienation. Splitting appears to be a common feature of severe alienation. And when I talk about splitting, in some cases I've had some of these children wanted 
one of the parents, the targeted rejected parent, they wanted them to be dead. They wanted to participate in burying them. They wanted nothing to do with them as far as having any kind of relationship. So it gets to pretty extreme kinds of levels. Um, the whole concept of, of splitting has been reviewed years and years. It goes back to Freud. Uh, it's been characterized as a splitting of consciousness, um, which is closely related to disassociation disorders. Um, schizophrenia or splitting of the mind has been referred to. Splitting to describe loose associations, a fragmentation of the thinking process. Splitting as a defensive maneuver to separate good from bad experiences. Um, splitting or black and white thinking, lacking ambivalence is a feature of some mental disorders, especially borderline personality disorder. Uh, psychological primitive defense mechanisms, individual uh, that segregates experiences into all good or all bad categories with no room of anything in between, no ambiguity, no ambivalence. In the current research, in the current research, the uh, the authors considered splitting to be a maladaptive mental mechanism by which children protect themselves from the uncomfortable feelings of cognitive dissonance, that is, from anxiety caused by ongoing parental conflict. Children find that it's difficult to maintain affection for both parents at the same time, especially, again, in high-conflict situations, and they typically resolve the dissonance by, you know, a mechanism of splitting, that is, by gravitating to an enmeshed relationship, an overly close relationship, really a pathological relationship with one parent, and, and strongly vehemently rejecting the other parent. In parental alienation, the children's rejection of the targeted parent is far out of proportion to anything that that parent has done to justify the rejection. And again, that's getting into another characteristic or symptom of uh, the alienation. It, it's maladaptive in the sense that the child has a false belief that the rejected parent is evil, is dangerous, and not worthy of the child's love. Now, keep in mind... In parental alienation, what we're saying is these are not original thoughts from the child. These are thoughts that have been implemented, cultivated, manipulated, etc. in a, in a really a, a very malfunctioning uh, situation. It's, it's one of the authors actually has talked about uh, way back when <clears throat> that it, it's actually amazing to watch children's loyalty to parents who are actually rejecting and neglectful. So we know from the research, and there's multiple research out there that shows that children who have actually been abused and neglected actually want to maintain a relationship with the perpetrator of that abuse. And that's been very well documented, and mental health professionals who work with families, who work with abused children in, in dependency cases, know this very, very well, that these kids want to maintain a relationship with a parent that is really a... a not a healthy parent, but they want to maintain that relationship. So that becomes a distinguishing characteristic. So if you have a child who's alleging a parent was very abusive and neglectful to them, then they hate that parent. They never want to see that parent again. They wish that parent was dead, et cetera, et cetera. That's not characteristic of a child who has actually been abused. Now, I will go and say that's not actually the only distinguishing factor. You've got to do a comprehensive assessment of the situation because there are abusive parents. Children are abused physically and sexually, and that has to be identified, ruled out. 
but you're going to find that this is a common characteristic of alienated children. So we find that the parent acceptance rejection questionnaire uh, helps distinguish alienated children, again, who lack ambivalence, who are engaged in splitting, uh, from a non-alienated child where, uh, who, were ex- who were expected to manifest an ambivalence towards both parents. So the PARQ is a 60-item questionnaire. It doesn't take very long for the child to complete. They rate both of their mother, rate their both parents or caregivers, mothers, fathers, whoever is identified as their caregivers, and um, it was derived from what, what's referred to as the interpersonal acceptance rejection theory. Basically, discusses the implications of parental acceptance and rejection for the individual's personality and psychological adjustment. It's a really significant uh, ramifications for children. So the PARQ would accurately distinguish alienated children from non-alienated children was the basic purpose of the study. Well, a little description of the PARQ. It provides an objective, quantitative measure of children's perceptions of parental, maternal, and parental, basically maternal and paternal, uh, accepting and rejecting behaviors. Uh, The children respond to 60 statements regarding each parent. For example, like my my father says nice things about me. And then they choose among the the, the, uh, uh, responses of either almost always, almost always true, sometimes true, rarely true, almost never true. And so the lower the value reflects a more positive uh, perception of the parent from the child's point of view, and the higher the value that the child comes up with is reflecting a more negative view of uh, a parent. And the most negative assessment on all 60 statements would have a PIRQ of uh, 240, and that would be for either mother or the father. And uh, the author of the program, Rohner, uh, Rohner, uh, R-O-H-N-E-R, he's out of the University of Connecticut, I believe, um, says that in the United States, the typical scores fall between 90 and 110. And that sort of indicates the uh, substantially loving acceptance that children have towards their parents, which is, you know, i.e. normal. Uh, he also found that seven to seven percent to ten percent of American youths and, uh, and children tend to respond um, at a 150 level or higher, revealing the presence of a very serious parental rejection problem. The PARQ has been used in more than 550 studies in over 40 languages, with several hundred thousand respondents in about 60 countries. So this is a pretty significant instrument. The PRQ is a very has been found to be reliable and valid for the use in both national and international research. The coefficients of alpha basically measure the reliability of the instrument. And so the reliability in terms of how reliable is the instrument in intact families, it's very high, 0.83, 0.85. And again, if you're talking about several hundred thousand studies, you're talking about some significant statistics. Uh, children of divorced parents, high high reliability. Children uh, with neglectful parents, very high reliability. So the instrument is pretty uh, significant in terms of, of using it in, in parental alienation cases. If you are 
an attorney, if you're a parent, if you're a mental health professional. As a mental health professional, consider using the PARQ. If you're a parent listening to this podcast or you're an attorney, ask the evaluator to consider the PARQ. If they refuse, ask them why. What are we doing here? So basically, the study ultimately found out that the uh, PARQ scores for alienated children were dramatically different from those of other the other three parenting groups, and the intact group and the other t- the, the groups that they compared with. So alienated children were shown to have different, very significant scores on the PARQ. The, the preferred parent in both of the groups that had extreme, unrealistically low PARQ scores whereas the alienated parent had extremely unrealistically high scores. So interesting where one parent, the favorite parent, had extremely low scores. The alienated parent had um, unrealistically uh, high scores. So that was a study, and I wanted to share that with you. I thought it was pretty significant um, because there's an argument out there by the detractors that there are no measures of parental alienation. Well, um, that's not true. Now, this doesn't necessarily measure parental alienation. It measures a child's ambiguous or lack of ambiguity toward one of the parents. Well, listen, I hope this uh, is helpful. And um, visit uh, naopas.com for uh, our training programs. Thank you, and Wish you all well. Thank you so much for joining us today. For more information on this topic, please visit www.drbobevans.com or www.naopas.com. We offer classes for both legal and mental health professionals to help educate them on the signs and strategies of parental alienation and how to move forward for a healthier environment for the children of divorce. Please visit www.naopas.com and sign up for our courses and use coupon code PODCAST for a 50% discount.